Hello, this is Derek McCaw, Editor-in-Chief of FanboyPlanet.com, and you are listening to the Fanboy Planet Podcast for October 11th, 2006. With me tonight, Lon Lopez, staff, staff member of Fanboy Planet, but also Editor-in-Chief, I don't know what you call yourself, Grand Poobah of MoronLife.com. Yes. Just, Chief Moron. That's, that's a good one. I like that. And there we go. And our sound engineer and guest commentator this evening, Rick Brettschneider. And we're so happy. He's back. We are so glad to have Rick back. <laughs> <laughs> Not that your laptop wasn't the lovely hey, sound you know, mixing thing, but when we can get professional sound, <laughs> that's we're happy. Rick knows what he's doing, and occasionally we like to pretend we do too. Exactly. And uh, thank you, Rick. At times throughout the evening, we'll probably be hearing from Steve Simonetti, manager of Fanboy Planet Comics, and we'll be hearing occasionally from Venom. Thank yes, you. thank you, guest commentator. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> so, Appreciate your venomous on mic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, let us begin this evening. I should say up front, if you have any comments or questions throughout the week after listening to this podcast, by all means, email at editor at fanboyplanet.com. That's editor at fanboyplanet.com. Or join us on the message boards. We can't update live throughout this broadcast, but uh, we will respond if we get anything. And we'll read emails on the air, we if do. they're appropriate. If they're appropriate. Um... Yeah, not much this week, okay. but uh, <laughs> you know the usual. And I say it's long enough. So uh, let's begin. Uh, You're talking about the podcast. Right? I'm talking okay. about the podcast, okay. right? It, there's a Swedish extender for podcasts. I guess. Okay. <laughs> so, oh dear. Uh, so, Lon, uh, yes, let's sir. begin with with one of the comics that you have read in the last couple of weeks—a a, high-profile relaunch, like the fourth or fifth relaunch, fourth right? or fifth or... relaunch character that seems to do very well in every media. Medium butt comics. Uh, speaking of butt comics, uh, yeah, of, it was. Because Howard Jacobs on art, you bet it's going to be a butt comic. Well, it was Blade number one, and I'm a huge fan of the Blade movies, and unfortunately, every time they try to launch a Blade comic, I'm that sucker who buys it thinking it's going to be great, because usually the covers are drawn by a really nice painted or a painter, you know, and they're really nice and pan. I think, oh, this is going to be great. And then Howard Jacobs, you know, I'm not a huge fan of his art, but. Uh, it wasn't spectacular. It wasn't good. Um, they uh, Chaken draws Blade with a giant flat top, like it's the '80s again, and um, it just was all over the place. And uh, story goes like uh, him infiltrating Shield, and it just I wasn't and, worth uh, my time. It's new facing down Shield vampires. Yeah, Shield vampires, which you know, and I also you Long know, tradition. Blade's a pretty strong character. I think that maybe it's time to take Blade. Out. I mean, he can still have vampire hunting in every you know story here and then, but you know maybe make him do some other stuff. It's a one note kind of characterization uh, that might work in films and, sure. and has worked in films. Sure, because least, films are only two hours, at least two films and uh, thirteen episodes of a series, which has been canceled. And yet they're claiming that the producers, uh, the production company, which is escaping me, is shopping around to other networks. So mm. apparently. According to the villain of uh, of the Blade TV show, not he probably just doesn't dead. understand. It's just it's done. It's uh, who knows. And this has happened sometimes. Yeah. Yes, uh, Jeff Johns has certainly moved on, but uh, it does seem kind of one note for a for a comic book because whenever there's a Blade story, suddenly the Marvel universe is teeming with vampires in a way that it hasn't been <laughs> right. while Blade has not had his right. own series. So, and oddly, that, that issue began with Spider-Man being a vampire, mm. 
Uh, yeah, because whenever you need uh, somebody to buy a book, you stick Spider-Man in it because it'll raise your sales. Well, it worked for the human. It, yeah, it, worked, for the, it worked for the human fly back in the seventies. And we all remember that, that character. Oh, yes, the the greatest superhero on earth because he's real. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, so, magnetic joints. That's what I remember. It was like an action figure, but yeah, uh, terrible. But yeah, he sticks Spider-Man in there. It was a random cameo. Dracula appeared at the beginning and. You know, who's had a little controversy in the Marvel comics in the last month or so because they got to in the Essential Tomb of Dracula reprints. They started re- started reprinting the magazine size format and they're reprinting them edited, expurgated, boldlerized, if you will, because the first volumes of Essential Dracula uh, were presented as all ages books and the magazines were not. So they've they sort of started suddenly covered up with uh, Savage Tales. Right, so they've covered... And there was that one episode where, or, or issue where Dracula got, like, hep C, right? Yes, from, well, yeah. sort of, okay. in a way, because what happens is, you know, there's, like, naked women running around in the 70s version, and now they've got, you know, mysterious scraps of silk or whatever <laughs> over, their, nice. over their breasts. And, uh, and it's just one of those yeah. things, again, where you go, okay... You can edit that, and then the next page they get ripped to shreds by mm-hmm. a vampire horde, and and that's okay. That's not edited in any way. Because we like to market bloodsuckers. Heaven, heaven forbid that we accidentally let let uh, like yeah, what kid is picking up Tomb of Dracula, uh, but and especially in black and white, uh, but that we you know heaven forbid they see a nipple because they don't really they've never seen one before. They've never, no, they don't have them. Yeah. You know, we, yeah. Uh, but so anyway, so uh, I will. Yeah, Blade. many things to be upset about with vampires in the Marvel universe this week. There you go. But Blade Two is off my pull list. Okay, off my pull sheet. All right. However, uh, we do have a revi- another revival that uh, starts today, which uh, I don't think any of us have had a chance to look at yet, but it's still exciting to talk about. Tell me, Derek, what is it? Which is the Wildstorm universe rebooted after the very bizarre Captain Atom Armageddon. Miniseries. How did that go? Did anybody read that? I did read that. I read Captain Adam Armageddon uh, in the events. Of did he turn back into Monarch or something? Yeah, that's at the uh, in the Battle for Bloodhaven. He at the end of Infinite Crisis, he popped back into the DC universe. And nobody quite knew how that had happened, and Armageddon was covering that where he had been in an explosion, sent over to the Wildstorm universe, merged with the computer chip Void. <laughs> I had her action figure. That's all I really know about it. Okay. She was a, a Soviet computer, okay. human computer. Like just a wildcat or something? She was a wild, okay, member of wildcats. Okay. Um, yeah, it's one of those books, uh, almost everything in the Wildstorm universe feels like everybody sort of vaguely knows who they are because you got suckered into the image explosion back in the early 90s. But I don't think that anybody really cares all that much, except wildcats had action figures in a brief Saturday morning show. So mm-hmm. so maybe we know something. i got to say. Well, they I, were I, a covert they were a covert so action team. So covert, that, they are. Well, for, for many issues, and the Wildstorm universe has always had sort of a darker, quote unquote, realistic take on superheroes. Uh, read more cynical, like basically mm. most of them are jerks. Uh, but I, I will say that I have the giant size Grifter action figure, which I treasure. And uh, I think I knew that I wanted to marry my my wife, uh, the woman who became my wife. Who is still, by the way. Yeah. My wife. <laughs> when get that straight. I gotta say, on the weekend we got Work engaged, off. we sat in a is that restaurant. The one in San Diego or the one in uh, Oh Saint shush, Paul? shush, shush, shush. <laughs> don't cause trouble because she listens. Thanks. Mm. And so 
Uh, I, we were at a, at a restaurant uh, at, before we were going to Disneyland one morning, and we and we used to be t- big toy hunters, and she looked at me across the table, and we couldn't find a Grifter action figure, and she said, I will not be complete as a woman until I find you that Grifter action figure. Wow, that's love. And we left Anaheim with three Grifters. Wow. <laughs> yes. That's, that's love. A special feeling. That's right love, there. and and you have to remember that and hold on to that. So, uh, they're relaunching. You mean the grifter. Okay, anyway, the grifter. Absolutely, you gotta hold on to that grifter. In a manner of speaking. Okay. Anyway, um, so they're relaunching, and they're calling it the World Storm event. And today, uh, World Storm and uh, World Storm number zero. I guess some sort of preview explaining Gen thirteen number one being relaunched again. Another another team that seemed to have been a lot of popularity, but nobody seems to care about it anymore. Once upon a time, Gen thirteen was the hottest thing on the, on the planet. It's all hype. It's all hype. They have an unreleased animated film. Someday, someone will see it, and I, I'm still not quite sure what happened there. The only thing we know out of this World Storm event is Rick. Go ahead. You uh, you gave me the quote earlier. Uh, because you read one of, of them. Uh, it was, oh, wet uh, works. No, wet works uh, sucks. Wet, wet, work, <laughs> wet works sucks. Already that revival has been... Uh, branded. Been branded as it sucks. Well, look at the... Okay, I, I, I can't understand the premise here because they took... They're going to bring Captain Adam back as... A crappy monarch character from Armageddon 2001 or something. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so that was such a huge success back then. Well, no, because Captain Adam was originally intended to be monarch. Sure, right. So they're just kind of in the oh new God. universe of DC, the new Earth. They're putting things back the way fans claimed it always should have been, which is true because Hawk is monarch and made no sense. But keep that separate because the end of Armageddon, the series, Captain Adam Armageddon, he basically blew up the Wildstorm Earth. Hmm. And they reformed it and reset it so that they could sort of reboot, pick and choose what they liked. Had it gotten too dark, the authority had gotten too outrageous, perhaps. And now Grant Morrison's writing it, so people are going to be very excited to read the authority again. You know, it, it got too big. I mean, the truth of the matter was with the authority. Once you've essentially taken over the world and said you are not going to brook any rebellion, any violence. You be, you run out of things that are going to threaten Where's the conflict. Where's so the conflict? So you've got to bring yeah. in Captain Adam. All right. So and then oh. they did. Yeah, they brought in Captain <laughs> Adam, and he fell in love with the engineer, a member of the authority, oh. and uh, then he blew up and ended up back in. Uh, remember back when in explosions DC? just used to kill people and not? Blow I do them remember to that. Alternate universes. Sadly, that happens in the real world. That yeah. explosions do still kill people and not bump you into a yeah. into another universe. We're raising a whole new generation of children who understand. I think explosions turn mm-hmm. you into yeah. superheroes. Exactly. Or villains. Well, it's you know after the years of experimenting with radioactive spider bites, I, yeah. I say I'd, you know <laughs> you just got a bad case of leukemia. I've, I've I've got some issues, but uh, it's a very a, nice arm by the way, and a strange bloodthirst. Yeah, I've got this withered arm. Uh, <laughs> but the wet work sucked, and which is again like from the very beginning. I don't know why anybody's ever held on to wet works. It was Will Portacio, the story. creator, left it after the first book, the first issue, yeah. because he. He had he had issues. I don't want to you know tear into it. He had family problems, and you know it, it's kind of a sad story. This is a guy that that people thought was a hot talent, and he had to walk away at the height of his talent. But he never proved, or got to prove, or probably could have proven that he could handle something on a regular basis. And aside from, and to me, this was always the thing with the image books. Except I'll give you you know Spawn. I I got sucked into Spawn. Um, Spawn was the only thing that really had a concept that held held my attention. Savage Dragon actually has a pretty good. I shouldn't. Okay, but back to Wet Works. Just it was, it was just a weird story because it was 
like these covert uh, mercenaries turned into the metal men to fight vampires. And werewolves. And werewolves, yeah. To fight the supernatural. Yeah. So it was a science fiction, yeah. And that's the thing. There's a limitation. Even Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the show, realized there was a limitation, I think, to... Just dealing with vampires. I mean, there was there there are robot enemy. There you know, there's androids there. John Ritter, one of the best oh, yeah. cameos before he passed away. I mean, proving I mean, oh, you know, a tragedy because that, that guy was great. But you had her fighting all kinds of different things, including depression and financial trouble. Uh, yeah, no, and boyfriends and boyfriends. Mm. That David Borean eyes. Oh, I couldn't think of his name. I was yeah, gonna, that's, Angel, right? Yeah, Angel. I never watched yeah. it. Yeah, what a dreamboat. But anyway, so, uh, but we get back to Wetworks. Why did we fight it? It's a weird concert in the first place. Nobody seemed to like it. Had action figures. Oh, yes. Cool action figures. That's why they brought it back, because there's there's brand recognition. There's there's a couple Wetworks, you know, loyals out there that are going to check it out. And, and let's be honest, if they don't protect the trademark, it's going to be a line of porno films. Hey, yeah. I'm sure it. I'm sure it already is. Hey, oh. yeah. Okay. Okay, Rick. Good. Okay. Let's move on into yes, reprint territory. Is that just revival territory? Two really good reprints came out today. Are we calling them reprints or trades? Are well, they, trades. Okay. I mean, consider them reprints. I mean, you know, it's oh, okay. collections, special collections, special editions. First of all. Uh, a book that I was afraid of, but I'm, I'm now looking at it and drooling and, and trying to save up, you know, for Christmas. Absolute Sandman, Volume 1. Yes, I, I know I have them all in nice little trade paperbacks. Am I the only one who sees all these Absolute editions and thinks, okay, vodka and whatever? Oh, Absolute Vodka. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Absolute. Was, absolute I'll get it. No, I, you I get know, it. And, and they would do well if they yeah. could. If it was legal for uh, for a vodka company to advertise what, in comic books, if it was legal. Sandman. But, you know, I mean, would that be any worse than the, uh, the anti-cigarette smoking, which are what the FX up, so that if you read it, it's a, what the... Apps oh, up. what the bleep? Okay. Yeah, and these are essentially, I mean, they don't do it in the, the in the, the Johnny DC uh, Cartoon Network books or anything, but it's still disturbing that I think a lot of kids do pick that up and the advertising is not appropriate, so thanks for that little tangent. I mean, why not advertise vodka in a, in a DC book? Um, but I haven't been tempted by any of the other Absolute books. This is the first, I mean, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, I always thought, you know, well, you could get the Absolute, but yeah, now, aren't the original things? version's dense enough. I did buy the Absolute uh, uh, Infinite Crisis book, I think. Crisis on, Crisis on Multiple Earths? Crisis on, multiple, uh, Crisis yes. on Infinite yeah. Earths. Yeah. Sorry, Crisis on Multiple Earths is a different series of yeah. trade paperbacks. Right. Crisis on, okay. on Infinite Earths. Uh, so confusing. Did, did there it is. Have, it's right over there on the shelf. There it is. I just read it. Oh, yes. But that's not, but that's not the Absolute. No. And today the Absolute Sandman but, came But out. isn't this kind of the same thing that companies do with like DVDs? They'll release like... The, the, the one issue, and then you go, oh, I'm going to get that. And then they re- they release the collector's Actually, edition. It's and been a worldwide, everywhere but the U.S. they do this. Like, so in Japan, albums, yeah. in Japan, the manga come out in the, the, the big telephone book-sized things, and then they get digested into the individual stories, and then they get, get collected into the big hardback book, Collection. Same thing happens in Germany. They they mm-hmm. reprint stuff over and over again. Very much a we're, European style. We're only just starting to do this hmm. big time. I mean, you get uh, the and, and this one goes up to eleven. But then, but who? I mean, these things. I'm guessing. What's what's the what's the price on this absolute uh, this thing? This is a hundred dollars. So I mean, we're not talking for here. the first twenty issues, and they're and it's reprinted in an oversized. So the art is. I mean, this is the best. 
re- well, we'd hope this is the best reproduction they could possibly do at a larger size. You know, so you're really getting to so this reproduction. The art. Is I'm selling myself on. Yeah, no, it's, it's it's an interesting theory, but basically they reduce the art to increase the detail and to make it look crisper. So it's like okay, expand it. So, so somehow I'm getting conned, is what you're telling me. All right, then I shall go back to my paperback. But it has the first 20 issues, including. Um, the Midsummer Night's Dream, which is one of the most famous Sam Astor's first winner, first comic book to win a Hugo, oh, Hugo. a Hugo, okay, for uh, or is a World Fantasy it? Award, a World Fantasy Award. Yeah. So it was really this is uh, this is uh, the first title that really vaulted uh, in what is still an awkward uh, marriage. I mean, Rick, you walk these worlds very well, having gone to Worldcon and and Baycon. Yeah. That science fiction fantasy fandom still has this separation from comic book fandom. And the barrier is shifting. Yeah, good's good. I mean, Gaiman won uh, the Hugo Award a few years ago for American Gods. And a great novel. It's good writing, regardless mm-hmm. of the But as a novel, is my point. Yeah, is that it's become, it, once Gaiman switched over and became a novelist, then he's got his main... But he'd already gotten acceptance because of yeah. Sandman. And I think you have a lot of... It's a very permeable uh, di- diversion between the... Well, the I would then say, i got to say, at Baycon, when I was you know, cussed out in Klingon by a 70-year-old woman as a, dressed as a Klingon warrior for being a comic book fan, like I had no place there, I, I still say, no, there is some snobbery. Geeks still have to find a pecking order, and comic book fans are at the bottom of the geek chain. I don't know. You can't use every Klingon... Stand-up comic a, fans. I, I, oh, I'm sorry. Am I, am I a stereotype? <laughs> I, forgive me for yeah. having for having been so bigoted towards the Klingon people. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> now, if it had been one of the... <laughs> Perhaps one of the most racist. surreal moments of my life. <laughs> now, if it had been someone in furry fandom, then maybe you'd have to... Look, okay, I don't want to talk about that. They're just freaks. Okay, um, although, you know, we're soupies here. So, um, in addition to that, that Absolute Sandman for 100 bucks, uh, it looks worth it to me. The first 18 issues have been recolored, probably... You know, by crayons, hey, you're going to somehow ruin the whole colorizing thing for me. But, um, but if you're a real fan of Sandman, I mean, they're going to keep sucking you in. I bought uh, years ago a Chronicle books, which had like kind of sort of a history of Sandman. Uh, it was called the Sandman King of Dreams. We reviewed it on Fanboy Planet yeah. years ago. Great book. I mean, and it's one of those books you just love all the criticism and the commentary. I, I'm not, I'm not criticizing. I have them no. all, all, all of them up until this. And you know, I've got the originals. I got the mm-hmm. trades. Yeah, this one is. I just don't know if they're going to get me to go one more time. Oh, they mm. are, Rick. Oh, they are. He he looks like he has integrity, but no. <laughs> Check back next week. To yeah. see. <laughs> Rick's like, hey, I got it. I had to. And uh, you, yeah, you're, you're upper middle class. You're good. You can do, <laughs> you can afford it. Uh, so, but the but the trade paperback that I know that retailers have been anxious for because this was quite the hot button at uh, Comic Con this summer. And when I talk to a couple store owners afterwards, because strangely enough, I do do that, and that is the uh, I do I talk I don't do do Steve, uh, <laughs> although well any healthy human being does. Let's be honest about it. That's everybody. Everybody poops. poops. Yeah. Okay. Oh, zing, jinx. Felt, oh, felt it. Buy me a coke. Uh, so, it, and this is one that has been eagerly waited because uh, retailers know they're going to sell this hand over fist because it caught people by surprise when Ed Brubaker went on Captain America. Went on the book with Michael Lark as the art. It's a beautiful book, but a controversial and so well done, you don't even care about the controversy storyline, The Winter Soldier, which is the the revival of Bucky 
bringing him into the modern day Marvel universe. Sacrilege, I say. Sacrilege. A lot of people are very upset about this, but you know, it's one of the things is Ed Brubaker had a really good defense of this, and he said that when he got into comics, and he'd always accepted, because, you know, every other issue of Captain America, especially in the 60s, when he started buying these back issues of Captain America, he's having these horrible flashbacks about Bucky dying, and the guilt, and and that defined the character throughout the early Avengers days, and he finally got over it, I think, once Sharon Carter entered the picture, and he realized that women were more interested than interesting than mourning about than mourning about young boys. Uh, (laughs) Where are you going with this? Let's hope, I, I don't know, wildly off track, I think. I apologize to Captain America and everything he stands for. Uh, although, with the Republican Party this week, I suppose it's completely in character. Um, so, oh, I am in Bucky. I am in Bucky. Text messaging. Hey, uh, what are you doing? Um, I, I've got a prediction. You know, in two years when the sales of this are tanking, uh, Clone Saga, you know. The Bucky all, Clone Saga? Bucky all clone. Right. But, uh, Just like Clore. I like how you called them Clore. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> or you can call them Phone. Oh. It's not, I like Clore better. better. Clore like better clore. than Phone. But, um, but it was still, uh, Brubaker realized, he went into a comic book store before he became a writer, and he was just a fan, and he wanted the issue where Bucky died. Which, of course, there isn't actually an issue where Bucky died. In continuity, because that was something that Lee and Kirby retconned to explain why Captain America was in ice. Yeah. So there's no actual... Because, of course, who would, although this isn't without precedent, there were a couple characters in the 40s who did die in their own storyline. And I don't mean the Spectre. I mean, uh, I think it was the original, the Comet. Uh, so, like, in the before Archie Comics was Archie Comics, their superhero line, the first Comet actually was killed in the second issue and it became Hangman Comics. His brother became a superhero to, you know, out of vengeance, so it's not like unheard of, but Brubaker realized, well, if there's no death of Bucky, and you're only accepting the hazy memories of Captain America, there's no proof. I, I think Baron Zemo certainly walked around and said, yeah, I killed your partner. Yeah. Does it make you cry? <laughs> cry, little girly man. <laughs> and Captain now, America, baby. And now he's governor. You yeah. cry like Ulan Lopez at a football movie. Oh, and true. Uh, true. <laughs> Um, I'd like to apologize to all our German listeners out there. Um, we're, you're really not stereotypes. Okay, go ahead. But I'm just talking about Baron Simo. Oh, he's, okay. a, he's a specific character. He's not a stereotype. Okay. But I'm positive he talks like a bad Arnold Schwarzenegger impersonation, as does the Red Skull. But um, at least when I do, do their voices. So yeah. uh, he realized that Bucky had never actually died, and so we only had the captain's word for it. We don't have an explanation uh, as to what really happened to Bucky, and it is chilling, it is tragic, it is sad, and uh, it's a great, great story. And Oh, okay, so it's not being told, it's being told as a historical... It's not a historical, well, they cover up, into the, uh, he is brought into modern continuity, modern, he yeah. is... As a and very, I, and very I mean, old man? No, no, he's no. They have an explanation. That I ha- they have a good explanation for Another why he block of ice. Yeah, they no, kept he's him on ice. he's he's in his late twenties or early thirties, but uh, I won't say any more. It's a, it's it's a it's a decent explanation. Okay. I did not feel cheated. I started reading it thinking I was going to be cheated. I, I didn't think he was playing fair, and then I realized no, he is playing fair. Brubaker did not fudge this at all. It, I mean, if you're going to accept a super soldier serum in the first place, you might as well accept. You know, I mean, there's some ugly, tri- you know, there are ugly things about it, like kind of not retconning, but you know, which I like this this idea that the comic books you've read are only taking certain characters' word for it. Yeah. That, that you know, sure. so so you can go back and sort of d- give it depth, realizing that things were just sort of left out, or you know, that that 
if you buy those, like the original Captain America comics were uh, sort of jingoistic and they were propaganda and the government was really hiding what Bucky's purpose was. Because you think about it, letting a 12-year-old boy which they claimed he was originally, run around fighting Nazis. Hey, it uh, was war, man. It was World War. Anyway, absolutely. Um, and Newsboy Legion. He absolutely. Got out of yeah, and, and uh, it was it was a good story. The only thing I did now, they have, like, like immediately, I think it was in Wolverine Origins, they immediately threw the Winter Soldier into Wolverine once he was cleared to and legitimize used. To legitimize it. To legitimize it, and I was really bothered by that. I thought, no, let's let, let's let him, you know, stew well, for a while. if, but if I can... If I can add anything, Tari, sorry to interrupt. No, I'm a huge Cap fan. Grew up with Cap and the family, and uh, and a surprising Lopez family fun fact. Uh, my first words ever written were Captain America. So uh, first written, written. I was copying the uh, the title Logan? on the comic book. Uh, wow. Yeah, that's, you can ask my mom. You were twelve. Uh, yes, I, okay. I didn't. I didn't actually speak on my own until I was eleven. And uh, but no, anyway. So huge Cap fan. Been following it for years. And uh, you know, always you know, as a cap, as a loyal cap fan, you're always like, oh well, you know, Bucky, Bucky, you never bring back Bucky. You just accepted it. Right. You accepted he was happen. dead. That was absolutely. Yeah. And uh, it, you know, but and but that went along the same lines as Peter Parker's never going to reveal his identity. <laughs> so uh, you know, I think yeah. this, I'm so unhappy. A, so there's a strange. I think it's part yeah, of the strange man. trend. Um, in so comics sorry. right now, where people are saying, "Oh, there's all these taboos that you know these yeah, things that we never said we're going to do." Well, guess what? We're doing them now. And so, part of it felt like in the beginning, "Oh, publicity stunt," and I was just really unhappy with it. Going, "This is full. I don't think you know this is going to work." But reading it, you're right. It was a really well told story, told story, and um, you know, it was it felt organic enough and real to where it wasn't insulting to an, an old Cap fan, and, and it was also one of those where it opens up a whole new possibility of, you know, well, a of couple Cap of stories. And, it, and also, it was believable Captain America. Like, his reaction to everything, his, the way he handled things, and the way, you know, everyone was skeptical. Oh, this can't, you know, even the characters in the story were like, yeah, this can't be happening. So, to Brubaker's credit, you know, he told a really good well, story. Well, didn't a couple of months ago you yourself said that you feel that Ed Brubaker is probably the best writer working for Marvel right now? Right now, I'm liking a lot of... I mean, I was going to say more than political, because, I mean, you don't want to bust on Joss Whedon's you know, camp, because he can only write so many books a month and, and juggle that um, admittedly far more lucrative and more popular Hollywood career he has. But uh, Brubaker is certainly the most prolific and best uh, of the writers right now. And I think the best... Most believable to me, Captain America. I'm not like this huge, long time Captain America fan. I liked him in the way that I, I like, you know, every superhero when I was growing up. It was like, ah, you know, I'm teaching my children to uh, to be, you know, fans, know them all. You know, they're not going to be allowed to actually uh, go to school. Until my son's not until he can, you know, name every member of the Avengers and the Justice League. Uh, we started the hacker members. Oh. He, I'm, I'm pretty proud. This week, he this weekend he learned to pronounce correctly Robin. So very excited. Very hard for him to two and a half to say, you know. So you do the super super hero alphabet. We do. We do. Uh, well, I have that. The superhero dictionary it was a DC one. We yeah. have that. And the my both my kids like looking yeah. at that because there's just lame definitions with superheroes thrown in. So you know, that's awesome. There you go. But the point you were going to make on that was. Uh, that it's a great buy, and there's oh, okay. a chance to buy it. You know, you know it, it's if you miss these back issues. We, I think on Fanboy Planet, we rarely recommend the trades. You know, we don't get around to it very much. You know, usually because we're covering it as it goes. Uh, any of us, Jason or myself, or you know, if you stepped up, you know, 
it was something you wanted to write about. We rarely talk about the trays. And the, the truth of the matter is, right now, you know, it's, it's great. better to have them on the shelf. Sure. You know, in a tray paperback form. And love it. You know, Especially if they're good stories like that, too. And it is a great it is a good story. You read it over again, over and over again. So let's get off comics a little bit into comics-related stuff, uh, because I'm going to just pimp Justice League Heroes every week. I got a little inside tip. A little okay, inside tip today. Ready? Oh, I haven't heard it yet. I'm going to be surprised. That's right. You're actually going to be surprised. Two new characters showed up on a banner just before I left work Uh-oh. to come here. I got an email inbox saying you got to go to the site, mm-hmm. to the Justice League Hero site, which I don't know if it's live because I didn't see this anywhere else. But on the si- on the banner, they have two characters. They have the whole all the playable characters. Uh, hopefully not all of them because I'm going to be even more excited. If, there, if there's even there's more hidden characters, there's hidden characters. I would love to see that. Well, there's two more. We already knew that there was a playable version where you could become, you could unlock Hal Jordan. So, I didn't know that. Yes, you can unlock Hal Jordan when you're Green Lantern if you, you know, find that. So you can put the skin of Hal Jordan. Oh, uh, okay, the costume. I mean, well, I mean, it's the same thing. You might as well just say you're Hal Jordan. You know, I mean, because certainly we've run this that uh, you, you, if you're playing the Flash, you can find the skin to be the, to be Jake Garrick. Jake Garrick, right? And okay. believe me, I'm going to be playing Jake Garrick as soon as I can. Um, you play with uh, Jay Garrick a lot, don't you? I'm sorry. Go ahead. That was rude. <laughs> Dude, I read comics. Oh. All right. Uh, so, uh, no. In the lineup. Ready? Yes. Ready? I'm ready to be shocked. Supergirl. Ooh. And Black Canary. Ooh, Ooh. two hotties. Uh, yes. Supergirl with a white t-shirt. The What I like to call the, uh, well, the DC animated. The animated universe. Uh, okay. Supergirl. The jailbait version. Okay. Okay, thank you. That's what I have you here for, Lon. As the single man, you get to say the things that the married men shouldn't say. Don't say anything about that skirt. Oh, okay, I won't. Don't. Anyway. And I shouldn't say anything about the card you just passed me to say jailbait, right? Uh, no. Okay. Uh, anyway, no. uh, um, we have the we have that. Uh, my daughter has that Barbie. We, you know, she has that outfit. So uh, that they try to uh, sell. You know, they, they've changed. DC should just drive your house Shush, and give Steve. you a bunch Shush. of stuff. I know they should because you're just pimping out their their child I line. I am a I am a DC fan. I mean, it's between the two. You don't have a, you don't have a word for it. But, what, what, um, there's not a DC name. Not like Marvel DC Nation. They tried to create it themselves. You can't do that. I mean, Marvel Zombies called themselves Marvel Zombies. Dan DiDio has said we're the DC Nation. Yes, okay. I'm the D, I'm a, I'm a member of the DC what are you, Nation. A DC, DC, DC citizen. Nation isn't what you are. Yeah. yeah, I'm a citizen of the DC. I'm a member of the DC Nation. No, too long. Uh, you know, and uh, yeah, so uh, they're the heroes that I like better. I, although often I, I mean, I'm into Marvel. Don't get me wrong, I'm into Marvel. I, I'm into Image sometimes, and you know whatever. But these, so there's DC Black Canary and Supergirl. Now, is I forget, is there Green Arrow in this one or no? There is Green Arrow. So if you're playing co-op mode, you can do a Green Arrow Black Canary team up. Yes. Wow. <laughs> Wow. They just, they just sit there and bicker. <laughs> and then they have sweet, sweet love. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, is that an unlockable how, uh, section? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Kevin Smith has scripted a section of the game in which they suddenly say things that you didn't think they could say. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, another one to look forward to in the next couple of weeks is going to be, or next week will be on, available on GameTap. Which is an online site that for uh, for online downloading of games. Uh, Sam and Max, freelance police, are back. And doggone, those were uh, no pun intended because one of them's a dog. They were really funny comics by by, by Sam Purcell. What? What was the other one? He's a rabbit. He's a rabbit. Oh, that's right. Yeah, sort of. He's a rabbit-like thing. He's a frightening little bunny. Yeah, he is. Uh, This is a classic game from LucasArts, which. 
freelance detectives. Freelance police. Police. Which makes it funnier. Why would they be yeah, freelance yeah, police? Yeah, but uh, yeah. they're they're sarcastic. They're evil. Uh, it's funny stuff. Funny stuff. And the video game or the computer game because it wasn't on any platform other. Than, I don't. Was it PC? You, it was on PC. You've got a PC. Like I know. Sparse animations. But I know it was for Macintosh because I had. It was like I was very excited. I was a Mac Mac guy back in the nineties and. Uh, I, so I had that, got that game, like the LucasArts sampler, and I was like, oh, good, I got that Sam and Max game. And it's the one I played the farthest that had the time, because every time I hit a new level, I was laughing at each new scene, each new sequence I had to go through. So it's a classic game as far as Twisted Sense of Humor. So is it the old one, or is it a new version? No, new version. Sam Purcell's gone over to wow. this. Telltale Games is a splinter group. They worked for Lucas Games, and then they decided they could do them. They also do the Bone Games. Which I haven't had a chance to play at at, yeah. at Comic Con. Uh, I interviewed one of the guys. I have to still, unfortunately, and I apologize if you're listening to this. I love to transcribe it. Um, and they're in San Francisco, so they're fairly local to us. And they've got the rights to do Bone games, and so they're doing each section of Bone is a different game. So this chapter one is out from Boneville. Chapter two is the Great Cow Race. So each trade paperback or each you know little story arc gets its own video game. Nice. And so that first two. Uh, video games for that have been have been out already for a few months, and uh, Sam and Max are coming out next week. They will be exclusive to GameTap for I think two or three weeks, and then they're going to uh, be free—not free because they're still in charge—but to you know, be available to download if you're not a member of GameTap in November. It's the 21st century. We live under an oppressive regime. I think it's time <laughs> for a new Sam and Max. It, it is absolutely chaos. Chaos. V for Sam and Max, and uh, so uh, I do. They they did. I, uh, they sent a copy today, so I'm very excited to uh, you know waste time and loosely. They sent you a copy, but it's on GameTap, so is it downloadable? It, it is not downloadable yet. Uh, I got a secret way to do it. I'm sorry. Yes, they they let they they let me to download it. You have a preview download. Um, this is why I started Fanboy Planet to get free stuff. <laughs> Certainly not for the babes. No, except as I believe it's one of our slogans. Except for money. Power and whores, all is going according to plan. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, I apologize to all our female fans. And I say that much. Because they had to be female. Oh, uh, okay. Good point. <laughs> okay. Um, awkward. So we move on. <laughs> Can you clean this up in post? Uh, so there we go into um, what I like to call uh, speaking of things we get for free uh, DVDs. Uh, that uh, I, I want to talk about a, a set that came out a few weeks ago that I'm trying to find time I, that I've been hooked on and try, like watching way too much. Uh, Veronica Mars. Here, good things. Speaking of fanboys, the second season just came out on DVD, and in within the first three episodes, uh, this, I think it was the second and third episode. You get a cameo in the second episode by Kevin Smith as a as a fat, uh, quick stop operator, basically the manager of quick stop. Or a quick stop like place, you know. Uh, what is it with Kevin Smith going on all these like younger kids shows like Degrassi and the Ron things that he's, uh, you know, this guy might be. Uh, we might a, need to watch him a little later. He was later. a guest uh, reviewer on uh, Ebert and Roper the other day. Uh, yeah, he also does. He does guest spots as a morning DJ on Alice when one when either one of them's out. He didn't this time. They they were upset. He he canceled out like two weeks ago. He was supposed to do a two week shot in San Francisco. Starting last week, and then he had to cancel out because of something else. But I gotta give the, you know, and I like him better. I'm gonna say something heretical. I know Sting Cross from Lawn. I like it better than Quentin Tarantino, though he has the same fault. I think that Quentin Tarantino has 
is that he just seems to be a fan of everything. And <laughs> there's no real uh, discrimination uh, in Kevin Smith, uh, but but he is proved so far more supportive of these things. Like, Veronica Mars was struggling, so Kevin Smith shows up in the second episode. So people are going to, Kevin Smith fans at least, are going to come and find out that Veronica Mars is a great series. It does not resemble high school life the way I remember it, but then as I think uh, in private conversations long enough, I realized, oh my gosh, was I sheltered in high school. <laughs> but <laughs> I wasted those years. Uh, I was reading comic books uh, and, 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 and playing trumpet. But oh, you were a band geek. Oh, I'm sorry. I was a band geek. Oh, wow, that's time. a whole nother time. Was, no, we didn't even have band camp. <laughs> so I'm saying it was a waste. It was a loss. Uh, but there we go. And uh, so he showed up, and then an episode later, Joss Whedon shows up, yeah, he's doing a rare too. acting role because they just love the writing on this series, and it is really like I said, it's. It, it, it's not the way I remember high school, and it's not the way that uh, that I see high school necessarily today. But it's just so well done, and a realistic teen character, even more so than Buffy, who I thought was, you know, despite the fact that she had, was a vampire slayer, dealt with high school things in a very adolescent way. Veronica I, I, Mars is a very real teen. Glad you bring up the DVDs because I remember watching a couple of episodes of that, and the problem with it was it was so much a cohesive story through the whole series. Yes, and so it was I, everyone's talking about events that are crucial to what's going on now, and no idea. The second, I, I, I went back and watched uh, the first couple of episodes of the first season, and I need to go back and catch up because I hook watching the second, but the second feels that it, it does a better job of setting up sort of mini-mysteries, mini if you will, within an episode, so that at least you feel like something got resolved, and but there's still the overall arc. But both are compelling, you know, it's... Well, Buffy was like that. Buffy, Buffy was like that, Buffy and they, was definitely, they hit that stride. They hit that stride. individual episode, or you go for the whole length. The recent uh, Entertainment Weekly, though, is talking about season three. I didn't read the article, but... They're suggesting that it's losing some steam. So uh, apparently, it's uh, you know it was a risk. Nobody expected it to come back, and it did for the CW, and it just launched. And I did not get a chance to watch it, but uh, there we go. Um, but uh, the main character was her name, Kristen. Kristen some? Bell. Yeah, yeah, she's a cutie. We sure. Like we there like we go. Her. Yes, we do. We do. She appeared at Comic Con. Clearly, once you become sweetheart of Comic Con, it's all over. You know, oh, yeah. her, her life is made. I mean, yeah. she's always going to be at least people to make convention appearances, signing autographs for like her directed DVD movie. Yeah, it's almost as it's almost as good as being a Star Trek well, cast member because I think that uh, Star Trek cast members will you know they they must always be able to get a little money every year. Sure. Yeah. You know, not having worked. Okay. So, uh, another one that is apparently showing on Masterpiece Theater right now, but is interest to Fanboy Planet, is Casanova. is a British a BBC miniseries, and it comes out on DVD next Tuesday. Uh, and the first part showed on PBS stations across the country last week, and the second part's going to show next week. Did we mention we're at Fanboy Planet Comics today? We did. Oh, but I, but live I, registers? <laughs> yeah, we have live registers. There's business. People are, it's actually selling comic books. Yes. It's great. Sorry to interrupt. Uh, no, it's okay. But uh, why Casanova is of interest to Fanboy Planet people, uh, fans, readers, is that it is starring David Tennant, who is Doctor Who. Doctor Who? I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, no, you didn't. Uh, all right. Oh, I don't man. watch it. Okay, uh, Rick, can you reach over and just kick him? Yeah, that's, that's, that's why I sat top. on the other side of the table. Yeah, so that nobody could get to you. Uh, so, starring David Tennant as a young Casanova, Peter O'Toole as uh, the old Wait, Casanova. this isn't the Heath Ledger Casanova? This is not the okay. Heath Ledger, and it's written by Russell T. Davies, who is the guy who produces and revived 
Doctor Who to wide acclaim. So it's sort of like a try run. And many of the, uh, many character actors who have shown up in Doctor Who are in this Casanova. Oh, really? Which was run on the BBC like two years ago, and it's just coming over now. And PBS sent me the DVD, and it is really good. I like the Heath Ledger Casanova. It's a you know, it's a nice you know, warm kind of fun, joyous little romantic movie. But this Didn't was kind it. of a cool. That and well, you, you should, you should. It's a good movie. But uh, historical placement, modern retelling. Uh, historical placement, but definitely done. You can tell, you know, not a, a lot of budget. But the writing is so good that I re- I was halfway through the first episode, I realized they're not really. It's not sweeping in its set scope, but the dialogue is so fun, and the way they're handling it and, and giving it sort of, as they said, the lad touch, you know, it's kind of the Maxim Magazine approach to it. Uh, and there's some, there's some modern storytelling techniques to it, and the score isn't really, like, a, um, historically accurate, you know. So Steel guitar wang. Yeah, there's a little bit of that. Yeah, okay, there's a little porn to it, yes. Uh, Steel guitar wang. Okay, uh, wow. there we go. And that was actually a band I was in in college. <laughs> I suspected as much. Anyway, uh, but it, it's uh, it's really good. It'll be out on DVD next week, and you can still probably catch it on on uh, PBS. Which begs the question: As I realize, this is like. Uh, does PBS have a purpose anymore in this age of 180 channels? Annoying conservatives. Uh, I guess. Well, then God bless them Thank for that. God. Yeah. yeah. Um, but what's interesting, we're looking at the DVDs. PBS can't afford to do anything with, you know, so the DVD extras are really, it says, other products. So I click on other products, and there's five pictures of other things. So I thought, oh, if I click on this, I'll get to see a preview of this other you know, thing. No, it's just five pictures. <laughs> this is what else you can order. <laughs> <laughs> and, wow. and you know DVD ROM extra, so you pop it in, it, and it's just a link, a link to the to PBS it. website. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent, and no extras. There, at least there's chapter selection. Thank heaven. But but no commentary. No second audio track. Yeah, and it's really weird. I realized, wow, how spoiled we have become. You know, because I just watched Click this weekend and uh, and went through the extras. Which if ever there was a movie designed for a DVD menu, it is Click. You know, which the DVD menu pops up, and so it looks like you're actually you know that hey it's the movie um, you know and loaded down with extras which I gotta say surprisingly you listen to the director's commentary on that and you're oh they they are thinking which is weird because I just never think of them as actually like seriously going well we're trying to get some subtext here what <laughs> you know I do understand your point so it was kind of worthwhile but uh, there you go one I haven't watched yet but it's exciting MXC. Most Extreme Elimination Challenge, yeah, season one, show. has show. come out on DVD, and I'm going time to. In 24 hours, this has come into my life. Really, oh, I'm going to sit. I'm going to make my wife sit down and watch an episode because I oh, know man. she'd find that funny. Uh, we we jumped on the bandwagon pretty early with that show and, and wrote a review, wrote an art, a feature article on it, and still get a lot of hits for it. Um, this just bizarre uh, Japanese game show dubbed by American comedians and. I don't think it even needs the American comedian. The, the fact is that the Japanese game show is hilarious enough on its own. To, like, broadcast from an alien planet. Yeah, yeah. Takeshi's Castle was the original show. Beat Takeshi, who does all these Japanese gangster movies, serious movies, uh, and is also in um, Battle Royale, that, you know, which is, like, a really intense movie that you cannot legally watch in this country. Have it. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> 
We can't, you know, I, I do too, but you can't <laughs> legally watch it. I mean, because the subject matter is something that there's, there's no way. It's like in all the rush to remake these Japanese horror films, nobody wants to talk, or it was called oh, yeah. J-horror. Nobody wants to touch Battle Royale because Battle Royale is just so, they're so sick. You know, I mean, the concept... Well, the, with even, without even getting at the execution, uh, so to speak, mm-hmm. uh, it's entirely about school kids killing each other. Yeah, and it's a... I mean, but it's a... Touchy subject. It's something Touchy that subject. Stephen King has written, Story in one of the Bachman books, is like yep. that The Long Walk is essentially the yep. same the same thing. And it's like, okay, we can, we can read about it here, because uh, I guess the manga, which is being written by Keith Giffen... Oh, Done for American audiences sells really well, yeah, uh, and this is a series. It's now. It's, it, okay, there's a series of films. Isn't it like yeah, uh, there's at least one sequel to yeah. Around. So um, you know, but uh, there you go. So B. Takeshi, who has sensibility to be in that, does this Takeshi's Castle, which is you know lighthearted and it's amazing that, that the Japanese haven't killed themselves off just trying to impress each other with their stunt work because that's like ow. Uh, and uh, there's a show doing an Ultimate Ninja Challenge on uh, G4. It's just this late night, midnight spank block of clothes. Because Adult Swim has been taken, so midnight spank. Who were they trying to appeal to? Papa Spank. Papa Spank. Thank you, Batman. Still uh, <laughs> one of the most bizarre panels out of 1940s comics. Uh, it was Superman. Wasn't it Superman? Both of them do it. There's, uh, there's both. There's both. Uh, we need to bring that back. Papa Spank. Okay, right Papa here and there. We're going to do Fanboy it is Planet gonna, Papa, Papa Spank t shirts. Okay. I'm going to write it. Thank you. i got to finish the script for issue number two tonight, which is surreal, not having gotten number one out on the stands, but I have to write finish writing number two, uh, which is going to kick number one's butt. But anyway, um, so, <laughs> anyway, NXC is out there, and uh, it's out there. So, we're looking yes. We're for, I wish you remember this. We were watching this, uh, the Ultimate Ninja, I think it's uh, Ultimate Power Ninja or something like that on, on, on Midnight Spank, and it's a hor- it's a horrific, I, I mean, it's like, I want to go through the obstacle course once, but the, because it's like, wow, wow, you got to be a Superman to get through this, and it's just like level one, there's seven levels to become Ninja Ultimate Ninja Warrior. But the problem with the show was that they were just going through the same obstacle course over and over and over in the first. So I'm like, okay, I get how hard it is. Now show me something new. I've seen this. And so jaded. I am. I want someone to die. It's not enough to have them fall into the brackish water. Bring on the abattoir. But, you know, I heard uh, I heard Venom liked it, though. Yes. Okay. Okay. Uh, does he say anything else? He does, if I recall. Okay, good. Uh, all right. So, speaking of eating your brain, uh, and uh, what's on TV? Freak Show, a superhero parody show, appeared last week by on, David Cross. On oh, by David Cross. Uh, I'm a big fan of David Cross. I paid to see the Mr. Show live tour. And yes, I saw, I saw Mr. Show live, and um, you know, live they were they're, they're sloppy. But then I always felt that way about the show. I always thought there was something, but it was cool about but the TV a show. It's show. a brilliant sloppy show, but it always felt like somehow really, really low rent. And their stage show, not much higher in rent, uh, but much higher to uh, much more expensive to watch than sitting at home and watching the DVDs, which I can watch the DVD over and over and over. I love that show. Uh, and so David Cross uh, created Freak Show. So. Freak Show about a group. Uh, it's, I guess it's what a superhero style pairing of like freaks from a. A typical freak show, yeah, sideshow freaks who do remedial jobs for the government or something like, uh, 
when the when the real Justice League type group doesn't want to go do that job, they send it over to the freak show, who all have they're all freaks, but they all have some sort of power, right? Is okay, but I'd also say yeah, one thing is they're actually not called freak show within the context of the show. They're called freak squad, which I don't know why that bugged me, but it did. It did. I noticed that too. I couldn't quite understand. And they yeah, they all allegedly have. Did the focus group say that that wouldn't be a good title for the show? Freak Squad. I don't know. So like Freak shows freak so, much so much better. Better. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm it's not the freak that we object to. It's Squad. Well, it's probably we don't a, like the word Squad. It's probably a rap group it's called too Freak much, Squad. Too elite. It's too much like Squat. And we don't like squatting. Uh, so yeah, they all have superpowers. In the introduction, they said they all have superpowers. Uh, the premature baby fetus, uh, like, has some super, like... Preemie. Preemie. Preemie has, um, specific... Who has an Italian accent? I didn't understand that. <laughs> but, uh, but has precision vomiting power, which I thought was good for a baby. Uh, a good baby power. Oh, the Republican, though. He has the uh, The log cabin Republican. No, log Republican, cabin Republican. log cabin Republican turns into a leather man. A leather bear. Leather bear, yes. Right. Very nice. Uh, which he does do that. So almost it, almost no other superpower got used, but that one did. I forgot how they. I forgot what they did to anger him, but yeah, when he gets angry, he turns into a leather bear. And so and not an actual bear, but like a. They, yes, we understand the gay okay. subculture of bears. Yeah, that's what we're talking about. Um, we're hefty men. We've probably been mistaken for them a couple of times. Don't deny it. Uh, no comment. Anyways, okay, so. and then there's uh, what's the guy who can only grow six inches? What's uh, the world's tallest Nebraska. <laughs> <laughs> he can he can shrink six inches. Oh, okay. Shrink. Not two six inches like the atom. Just shrink six inches uh, and talk. It really is really boring. Yes. Which I thought was kind of a funny touch. But I, unlike you, was not particularly amused beyond the concept. Mm, yeah. I, th- I mean, overall, the show um, went for more dry humor than overall outright guffaw laughs. Um, it kind of, you know, in a weird way, like The Office kind of does. Um, and I love The Office. The Office, yeah, has a little more funny in it. But, um, but in the same sense, so it, since, you know, I'm a big David Cross fan, excuse me, it re- reminded me a lot of his style of comedy because he throws a lot of it in um, with just, you know, some of the subtle stuff, you know, um, like the way the little, the little preemie talks, you know, little kind of, he talks in a little baby voice, and that was kind of cute. And, uh, you know, just the just random stuff, like, uh, they, was it like, not it was like an Idi Amin type character. There was, uh, you know, it was like, oh, so we meet oh, again. Oh, Freak Squad, so we meet at last. Yeah. yeah, who would have thought it? And he's like, wait, we, we met, we met, or he's like, so we meet again. Like, when, when did we meet? And he's like, uh, in the forest, right? Oh, right, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's just those, you know, those small little yeah. things kind of get a yeah. chuckle out of me. So, but you know, overall, animation's not bad. Um, you know, it's a fun little—I don't know—I thought it was a fun little. All right, so I'll give it a second. Chance. So, at the risk of seeming like a, you know, the Siskel and Ebert of the comic book world here, uh, I—I'm I, not. Uh, my kind of thumbs down on that, but you're a thumbs up. Long I, I'm, thumbs not, up. I'm not a way thumbs up, but I'm a, I'm going to give it another. But it's shot. twitching. It's twitching yes, in it's an upward leaning, direction. Leaning okay. up. I'm like three quarters up. <laughs> Okay, anyways. All right, I was doing my office little transition there. Uh, That's what she said. Thank you. I'm Michael on the office. Um, And uh, you also said to me earlier this week that you gave Heroes a second chance after saying you weren't going to. And you and liked it. And I liked the second episode. And I just watched the one this last Monday. Oh, I haven't had a chance to do that. And uh, it's getting there. I think what it is is once they got past the initial 
pilot to where they had to kind of establish everybody and be really expository. Now it's getting more into the, the heart of the story, and it's actually interesting to follow around. They've, they've introduced a, well, I don't want to spoil it for you guys, but I mean, they've introduced, let's say, a villain-type character. <clears throat> excuse me, a villain type character, or is he? Well, yeah, that's the thing. So there's a there's a there's a, a, a character running around now that's moving the conflict and moving the story, and that's actually kind of making it a little more interesting. And this, and for those of you, did you see this week's? Episode? Oh yeah, I saw both. I haven't seen this week's episode. But okay, well let's just say too. that it has a great ending. So the the, the whatever they call uh, the cliffhanger of this last one. Is it, it made it's me kind of go, whoa, you know, so a brave move by uh, NBC. So, if they had broadcast one and two together, I would have been totally behind it after the first week, but the, I think the break between one and two okay. one didn't feel like a whole story. Yeah, There's maybe. a couple of character introductions, and next Well, apparently week, the pilot was like 70 minutes or something yeah. from what I heard, yeah. so what they should have maybe done is had an event where they show the whole pilot. Yeah. by itself. Which and I then, thought was their intention. Uh, so, yeah. But it did get picked up for a whole season. Yes, it so. has been. And, and, and uh, yeah, it's nice that it survived because many I, shows are falling like... I don't really think it's strong, but... You so don't necessarily have to be strong to keep me entertained. So okay. I was entertained. There we go. Good feel. There we go. All right. Uh, in the absence of Mario, I don't know if it's fair to talk about Lost, except that you know it's coming on tonight. Uh, you, I set my TiVo. Rick said uh, you could talk about Lost, so you could maybe just say, "Are you happy with this third season so far?" What an excellent first episode! Wow. You just start off. They the the last two seasons have started off with music. So they this the sign was and it was Petula Clark downtown <laughs> and Great then, and then a book club meeting okay. and Good. you're wondering where the hell you are mm-hmm. is it a flashback we don't know yeah uh, just a great episode uh, you know totally focused on Jack Sawyer and huh. Kate and we're we're. Uh, Spoiler and not spoilers, but I'm so behind. By the time I catch up, I won't. uh, I won't remember. There's an interesting theme here, which is imprisonment and uh, and kind of coercion of the coercion of the prisoner, uh, trying to get Mm. them to do something, perhaps, uh, which is actually showing up on uh, Galactica as well. Mm. Yeah. And uh, is reminiscent of another one I'm woefully behind on. Yeah. Well, I'd have to yeah, say, too, were, though, that uh, I'm a huge Lost fan and been following it since it started. And uh, the first five minutes, the first intro, or the, the opening, let's say, sequence, was jaw dropping. It was really yeah. fun to watch. Yeah. Um, I did think it kind of dragged. Yeah. Once it got back from that commercial break, and we started because it was right. giving, it was answered a whole lot in the beginning, and then it kind of went back Probably to its okay. Well, now we we teased you a little with that. Now we're going to give you a little bit more, and it so it just there were a lot of things from the season finale of last season that you know weren't kind of you know we still don't know what happened with the hatch. We still don't know. Good. What happened with you know the rest of the island and everybody else? So well, I know what happened with the hatch. Oh, wonderful! What happened with the hatch? Uh, Todd McFarlane got the rights to make it an action figure. For oh, him, so, okay. Uh, well, there you so go. You your, your so now we'll never set. see it again. Oh, okay. really? Yeah. Yes, no. this is the hatch playset. Yes, really? uh, there are pictures of that on Fanboy Planet. Rick, come on. Uh, yeah. Well, if at you, the end of the go to the season, Lost menu. If you go to the Lost okay. menu, you can find that very find easily. Me? McFarlane. Yes, I'm so sorry. No, no, it's all right. I get that a lot. Goodson, you know, who you know, was co-editor for a while, uh, didn't read the site either. So, oh, I read the site. Oh, okay. <laughs> you just don't look at the pictures, and that's an honor. That's an honor because you know, yeah. Okay, I read the articles. Um, no, but sure you do. Lost was a big Chris Garcia fan. Oh, 
<laughs> yeah, that's the only activity on the message board we've had is once again a a, a, a poster named Fed Up who's begged me to fire Chris Garcia. <laughs> I, I love Garcia's stuff. I read it every week, but I'm just a closet wrestling fan. So, anyways, I read it because I have to. Okay. No, but uh, overall, please. And if I could just quick throw in, did anybody watch the nine right after? No. No. Awesome show. Blue, like we we saw a really good episode of Lost, and then just like oh, this show's on. Let's just watch it. Blue, I was with a buddy of mine, my buddy Mike. Blew us away. We were just like, wow, writing was good, intense. Great story, great mystery that's going to unfold. So watch the nine. Okay, that's my re- that's okay, my some, request. For the something week. else you watched that uh, I have not, and I I guess you had not either. But we said we're going to talk about Red this Asphalt no. Two. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> no. No. Okay. No. You went a couple syllables too far. Okay. Uh, Three hundred. Ooh. Yes. Uh, there's, there's a new trailer out online. Um, I believe. I don't know if it, there's an official one yet. I mean, it might be on Apple. Um, but I believe uh, Ain't It Cool had a link to it or something. Sure. But uh, the Zack Snyder version of the Frank Miller graphic novel miniseries, right? Uh, just a graphic novel. Right. It was just, just a series. It was a series. It was a series. Yeah. yeah. Oh, dang it. I've only seen the hardback with the... Yeah. But basically retelling the story of... Uh, I don't. I forget the name of the battle that's where the Spartans took on. Was it the Persians or... Oh, the Persian... It was the one in the, in the crevice between right. the two. Yeah, but it has a name. It's the Battle of yeah. Something that takes Is place. Is that Thermopylae? Uh, maybe I think maybe it, it sounds. Uh, I'm not sure. I mean, here we are. Sad. We can tell you again what color are Captain America's eyes, but we can't tell you anything about something that actually happened in history. <laughs> well, I, 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 you know, well, we can't describe the fight because you know we know that. it's the Spartans. Right. The Spartans. It's the yeah. origin of the Spartans, and in the magazine, they're all. Starkers naked, mm-hmm. and right. so how's it look in the? Well, in this one, there uh, I believe they've got some kind of tunic type thing or loincloth covering something. If not, you can't do Starkers naked. You can't show the full Monty. The full Monty in a historical perspective. Yeah, and okay, but, it's historical. We retconned it. It's historical. <laughs> in hyper time, the tra- the Spartans wore loincloths. From what I understand, though, made out of uh, Athenians. Schneider's shot it entirely uh, green screen, kind of all of Sin City, which is ironic because here's Frank Miller with his second, well, big, you know, comic adaption, and it's green screen once again. However, uh, the stuff that they're showing online is beautiful. It's very... Even with Andy Dick in the lead role? Uh, is Andy Dick? No, I'm lying to you. Oh, okay. No, but um, he was great in Employee of the Month. But anyways, um, uh, I, I didn't see that. Yeah, yeah, I unfortunately had to. Anyways, um, so uh, yeah, but it looks really good. Looks like it's going to be a nice, good summer epic. If I think it's coming in the summer, I'm not sure. I think so, I think so. But uh, it, and I think it will do comics fans uh, proud because it's you know it's a comic adaption, and uh, looks really good. And you know it'll probably get a good crossover audience because it's a. Historical, which is great because thing. we need Zack Snyder's. Well, again, I think you and I are about to have a disagreement. We need Zack Snyder's profile to uh, raise. I like Zack Snyder's director. I really love his. He directed Dawn of the Dead. I thought, Don, and I give credit to James Gunn. Shout out to Jamie uh, because he's actually uh, been a longtime supporter of Fanboy Planet, and I've uh, been a supporter of screenplay. Uh, James Gunn wrote the screenplay and wrote the Scooby Doo movies, but uh, he and I met years ago. Um, when he wrote it, 
when he wrote a film called The Specials. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, we talked about that. Yeah, right. and um, the fact that he and that he admits that he knows me when he sees me is nice. It's very nice. And he's married to Jenna Fisher on The Office. Oh, he, that's the guy? Yeah. I hate him. But for different I love him and I hate him. Yes, exactly. Uh, he, he, because yes. Jenna Fisher is so Oh, America's baby. Sweetheart. She should be America's Sweetheart if she's not already. But Zack Snyder is moving from 300 to Watchmen. This time, dun, 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 really going to happen, you know. So, uh, a pro- a a project that has lived and died several times in the last what twenty years and since, you think it, he'll since the first publication. Get to it. You think I think he's going to get to do it because it's back in Warner Brothers, okay. and Warner Brothers is very eager to make sure that their high-profile uh, graphic novels that they somebody realized, oops, we own this. Right. Uh, <laughs> that. But can we can we talk about really okay? We talked about bad ideas in the past, but it, the Watchmen, arguably one of the best comic book stories. Ever just told. Watchmen. There's no article that bothers me very much. Just Watchmen. Watchmen. Uh. Um, you know, so and and then they're going to put it in a two-hour movie. Uh, you know what I mean? So this is a this is an uh, epic we're talking about. The version that I want to see that we'll never see is the eight-hour HBO miniseries. HBO miniseries That's directed by Terry Gilliam. With the whole episode of Pirate uh, comic in it. Yeah, I don't know about that. I mean, now pirates are hot, but, yeah. you know... I, but I think you can live without that. You're talking I think about the you can live the Tales yeah, of the Black yeah. Freighter, which, brilliant. But, but, here's, uh, yeah. but here's my question, then. So, okay, so many themes, so many things going on in Watchmen. What story do you tell in the two-hour one? The basic mystery... The core, uh, you tell the core the story core about one. the and so, fake invasion. But is that's not even the core one, isn't the one about the investigation of yeah? It's the death the, of the, the comedian. Death of the Who's comedian. killed the comedian? Because yes, so but that, it's all tied back. In. It all ties back in. But you do you are going to miss certain things. You are going to miss the origin of Rorschach, which was such a devastating. That's the other thing. Okay. Devastating plot line, subplot. You know. No, I mean, but Hollywood movies with characters. They okay. I, I, besides V from Vendetta. What other comic book character wears a mask the whole time that's unexpressive? So they're going to have an issue. Like, but he's not unexpressive. It's, totally it's a Rorschach cool. test. It's, it's always, it's always changing. changing. Right, but I'm, what I'm saying, though, is, is what actor... You know what I mean? I'm, just t- I'm thinking that the I, you know what? I think, honestly, after V for Vendetta, and the first actor, uh, I think it was James Purifoy, dropped out for... Allegedly, uh, you know, it was you know, creative differences, but, I, I, but one of the things was he t- was terrified. Of having to do that whole film without, uh, and if it's not James Purifoy, I apologize. I don't mean to be slandering, but I think that's who it was. Uh, terrified of doing this film without being able to show his face. That all and the every phys- actor does that. And all the physical acting. Um, but as true, Hugo Weaving was brilliant. Sure. And I mean, so you know, Hugo Weaving should play Rorschach. I'm just say right there. Well, no, because you do get to see Rorschach without the mask. Yeah. That's one of that, but it's just like no, no, no. It's one of the jokes. He's he's red-haired. He's freckle-faced. He's walking around. That's the thing is you see this guy in the foreground all the time, and in the background, like he's just a bum. I think he's a garbage man. He looks like a mess. And they kept showing this character. No, they do, and then and then and especially if they do go so far as a Rorschach in prison, when he doesn't have the mask, and he still pretty much kills everybody, and then finally like goes. Ah, now I have my face. I mean, that's a thing to okay, okay. to Rorschach, and and he is unmasked in the end. Okay, I, I mean, it's one of the most. I mean, I can I'm going to brush up on my watch. You have to. I can remember reading that last issue. Just 
I, you know, few. It was just one of my pulse was really pounding. I was just like, oh my gosh, what's he going to do? What's he going to do? And it's, you know, I'm sure you guys get into this too. You read and you hear the voices at different volumes, and Rorschach screaming at the end, and I mean, I could hear it. And my favorite thing is, it, it, in college, I had this poster, which I'm just a big Rorschach fan. I had this poster from Watchmen, a promotional poster that said. The, the quote never showed up in the book was, you know what I wish? I wish that all of crime had one throat and my hands were around it. <laughs> and I was like, Rorschach. And I was like, ah! You know, I had the buttons. Yeah. Now, uh, Lon's walked around. Lon has walked away from the table to find a copy of Watchmen on the shelf. No lie, there are three of them in my house. I have two loaner copies just because it's such a great story. Uh, yeah, I need to buy a copy, a good copy. I have, I essentially I loaned it to my brother years ago, and he read it, but didn't give it back for like five, six years, and yeah. it went through a couple of moves with him, I think, and, you know, it's like, so I've got a very beat-up copy. I have all the originals, of course, but... I think it's entirely doable so it's as, a, as a two-hour movie, but I think it'd be so much better done, given a treatment, you know, even a treatment like Band of Brothers, just like over eight, eight, I would, I would much rather, I, I'll agree, I'll agree with Lonis, I would much rather see it that way, but I don't think I'm going to get to. Yeah. So um, I'm but, okay you know, with this. If they do a good job of the movie, more people go out and buy the trade, they understand the story. Yeah. Sure, yeah. but at the same time, I mean, well, yeah, they buy the trade, but yeah. then do they get well, the true, no. so you, look you at, know. Places. Look at some, some other ones, like From Hell. Some of them it was just a huge, huge you know, book. graphic novel. And though Alan Moore disowns the film, I kind of like the movie. I mean, it's different. Reaches a very different conclusion, and well, actually not that different, but I mean, really compresses and changes a lot, but I still enjoyed it on its own, and then I went back and read the graphic novel and went, wow, that's, you know, that would have been a great, you know, uh, and I say the same thing with V for Vendetta, Alan Moore is now whatever, you know, he can be who he is, but I think the V for Vendetta did a great job of adapting, ad- compressing and adapting to the general public's ability to perceive so what was going Tuesday, on. Yeah. I mean, the truth of the matter is how many people have, you know, had read V for Vendetta compared to how many people will see the movie. They're different art forms, and if the same message can get placed through, you know, at least the basic themes can, can be maintained and still be done excitingly, I'm okay with that. I would love it if they just are able to get a lot of the visual echoes that they have in this, in this story into the movie where you see, I mean, even if they just did the, the happy face drop Starting and ending the movie. Yeah. Well, it's sad. I have that on my on my desk in my office. Is uh, Paramount had released actually at WonderCon two years ago. They were passing out Watchmen buttons. So I mean, that's a rarity because they they canceled it before uh, Paul Greengrass, who uh, is directing the Bourne Ultimatum. Uh, now he's free to do that. But you know, Paul Greengrass was involved. David Hayter had the screenplay. Everybody was happy with it. And I think Paramount realized. Which is the way it's all going right now is they realize that they would have to split some of the income. You know that DC had the rights to do all the marketing. Paramount couldn't get a piece of that. Paramount can't get a piece of Watchmen. But now that it's at Warner Brothers, I think New Line is actually doing it, which is owned by Warner Brothers. Then it's all in the family. Warner Brothers makes money no matter what. Yeah. And you know, of, of anything they do, I really yeah. want those action figures. Have photographs of those on Fanboy. Well, Pilot. here's the other thing: Are they going to keep it an R-rated oh, movie, or do you think it's going to? Well, I think they're going to go with the R-rating. Better. I think they're. They I think we're. I think we're at a time where people understand that certain. Certain projects need to go ahead with that. It used to be this taboo about the R-rating. 
but the truth of the matter is, people that are that are that. That the that are want to see something like Watchmen are gonna go and whether it's a PG thirteen or an R, we're talking fifteen and above. Yeah, I mean because what high, what junior high kid is gonna know what Watchmen is? The, you know, I, I I don't know. The V for Vendetta was R, wasn't it? Mm, I bl- no, I think it was PG thirteen. I don't think it was R. I think it was PG thirteen. Oh, I thought it, I thought it went out with an R. No. Dang it. Okay, Constantine went out with an R and did better than it should have because it wasn't that good, but. You know, and it did okay. It did enough, okay for enough for green, for Warner Brothers to give a green light to the second to a Constantine two, which thankfully hasn't happened yet. But but the other it's thing out though there. too is we talked about this a couple podcasts ago too though. By the time this comes out, do you think there'll be a, the superhero backlash because everything now is superhero superheroes, and so here's going to come this grim and gritty Watchmen story. This could come out at just the right time if there is a superhero backlash because it's a different type of story. This is true. If, if it is they, a deconstruction if they of the get, superhero, if they get that story out of it, but I you mean, know, and I, that's my that's my main concern. I'm hopeful. I'd like to see it. I mean, I'd love to see it translated. I'm in the minority on this when I get mad about this idea. I, I, I do get mad about this idea of backlashes for certain things. They say, you know, the Western is dead. And yet somebody who's a fan of Westerns will go back and watch all these old Westerns. And it's not It's not that the Western's dead. They stop every idiot with who thinks they have half the ability to tell a story thinks they can do a Western. I mean, one of the funniest things, I, I'm amazed the scandal hasn't gotten bigger, that uh, Tombstone, this came out like a month ago, yeah. that it turned out that Kurt Russell had actually directed Tombstone. That oh, George P. Cosmatis, the, the nominal director, who I have the laser disc, had like the commentary and everything, the nominal director uh, w- was there, and Kurt Russell basically took over, and they had this agreement that Kurt Russell wasn't interested in directing anything further. I think Tombstone kicks butt, but, you know, there there it is. The Western was supposedly dead. Here comes Tombstone uh, and Unforgiven, supposedly changed it, you know, yeah. blah, blah. No, the Western is viable if you've got somebody who can do it. Oh, yeah, I mean, you, like, you just have to have a new story, something, I mean. And don't tell, you know, so the, I, so. The HBO show that I can't drink, think of the Deadwood? name. Deadwood? Deadwood. Excellent uh, Western But, you story. know, don't tell me that the superhero is, uh, that there's going to be a, a backlash. Every culture, every every age, and every age group has some affection for it. There's always going to be room for it. Even when we supposedly weren't getting superhero movies, we were. Some of them sucked. You know, okay. I actually kind of like, right. I have an affection for Blank Man, which is, I know I'm very much in the minority for that. Wow, but you I just thought, lost this, all this credibility in that argument. So. True confessions. <laughs> I'm not going to, I know, please, the, the uh, Dolph Lundgren Punisher movie sucks. Uh, uh, I still <laughs> liked it better than the last Punisher movie. No, but I, okay, I, you know, Tom one, Jane Punisher movie No, sucks. I really, I gotta get that, no, I'm, um, I like the Tom Jane Punisher movie. Who did, who did he punish in that movie? I'm curious. The audience is what it's going you. for. Okay. That's what yeah. you were going for. But I say no. John Travolta punished us. For some reason, I had to like explain Battlefield Earth to my drama class today and saying, you know, talk about punishment. Talk about hatred for the audience. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I quote John Stewart, who said... <laughs> Who said I? You know, he got HBO for the first time, and it was a weekend that HBO showed like Battlefield Earth like four or five times a day. And he goes, "Are they angry at me for subscribing?" <laughs> <laughs> and so, because I taped it off of HBO, and I watched it one night, and I thought, "Wow, I, you know, I, I'm not the great, you know, I'm, uh, I, I know what I like and what I don't, but when I go, wow, what an incompetently now I've seen worse directed films. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie to you." 
but they haven't had the release and certainly the star power that Battlefield Earth had. Yeah. Uh, but why kick a corpse while it's down? Uh, but, <laughs> but it's just horrible. Wait until it gets back up. It's one of those, again, where it's like watching the Avengers movie. I think that both of you haven't seen them. You should watch them just so you can know my pain. The, the animated ones? No, 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 no. no. The Avengers movie. The Avengers, with, the Avengers uh, movie with Ray Fiennes and oh, Uma Thurman. Yeah. What the yeah, hell I were they like, thinking? Exactly. It's one of those where I wonder, how is it that nobody who stepped on the set and went, this, this is wrong? <laughs> no, because they all looked at their big, huge checks and just said, oh, all right. Okay. It's a living. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so for somebody. Uh, so there you go. Uh, but we're w- way off tension as we tend to be. And uh, there we go. Uh, I would like... Uh, <laughs> do you want to save your rant for next week? Uh, the stack of comments? Yeah, thing? we can save that. We, I would we like to say, because uh, Steve showed me... A pro- uh, we didn't have... Ch- uh, none of our schedules worked out last week to do a podcast. And uh, the next month that we may be a little spotty or on different nights, and that's we'll, we'll figure it out. But uh, last week I did come in here from like... I may add ten minutes to sit here, and Steve... Simonetti showed me a product last week that, uh, yeah, why don't you sit down at the microphone? We've set a mic for you, Steve. Sit down for a sec. You can tell me about this because I think it's cool and I think that people should be aware of this. Was the Halloween giveaway comics that you ordered so you could give away for comics, little ash can issues. And you're just going to stare at me because I made you sit down <laughs> and you're not going to talk. But, well, what uh, would you like to know? But you want to tout these. I mean, because how much did they cost? Because I don't know. You gave me, let, let me have a copy oh. to read of each of them. I, I, they were 10 cents each or. 15 cents each, something like that. They come in a bundle of 50. So with Halloween coming up, this is a really cool little item to have. Well, that's a great idea. So you had, so what do you have? You had had Archie. There was this Archie's Weird Mysteries uh, thing, right? There was an Archie one. There was a Donald Duck. So there was a, uh, it wasn't a a Carl Bark story. It was one of their, Don Rosa, who does pretty good uh, Donald Duck stories. You know, following. Following in the footsteps of Carl Barks. Absolutely a big fan. And then, there was the kids' Avengers. The what do they call it? Uh, the Marvel yeah. Avengers. Marvel Age Avengers. Avengers. The Marvel Age Avengers uh, first issue, which is you know, I mean, I get weird about weirded out about these split continuities, trying to figure out what. But you know, in this one now, Cassie Lang, who is in Young Avengers, with the power with the Ant Man and Giant Man powers, is basically Giant Man at the very formation of Giant Girl. Giant Girl. Giant Girl. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, very strange universe. <laughs> It's happened. There's precedent. Uh, (laughs) Ronma one half. (laughs) Uh, There we go. Which I've actually read. One of the few manga that I've actually read because everybody's telling me how great it was. I like the panda. They were wrong. (laughs) (laughs) They were wrong. I like the panda. Uh, But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, it it is a great idea. You don't want the kids in the neighborhood to, uh, you know, because we can't actually give them crack. We can give them comics instead. <laughs> uh, get them hooked Speak on the vice that you want. <laughs> We're at the candy bar. We want candy bars. To- well, that, that's what makes it fun, too, because when they come to the door and you say, which comic would you want? And they all drop their jaw and have no idea what you're talking about. They want their candy. I see. So Steve's really doing it to be cruel. Oh, I, <laughs> love I thought it was a kind thing to do. <laughs> some, oh, yeah. some of them actually get really excited about it. Okay, but, but others look at them and say... What's this? Yeah, it's like, but I, you know, I, I think <laughs> no, it's kind of exciting, really? and, and right. I, I got a copy of each of them, and you know, this year Steve's <laughs> giving out enlistment brochures for the U.S. Army. <laughs> <laughs> Mind games. All right, uh, register, yes. register them to vote Republican. I, I uh, so, <laughs> oh, you, Steve, Steve has a customer in Italy, but thank you for that little cameo. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Steve Simonetti. Uh, Steve Simonetti. I was going to bring him back over here. You're going to have to, you know. I did not. I still don't have the the phone number uh, memorized here, so Steve's gonna have to shout it out again. But uh, you, all the information's on fanboyplanet.com. So go to www.fanboyplanet.com 
uh, for all the information about fanboyplanet.comics, where we're broadcasting from. Uh, all of our podcasts are done live from there. And uh, it's uh, the only place I buy my comics. It's the only place. Uh, it's true. It is the only place I buy my comics. Unless you count if somebody gives you a gift certificate to like Borders. Oh, thank you. Venom. Venom. Guest commentator Venom. Thank you. And, of course, sound engineer Rick Bretschneider. I, too, would like to taste some bread. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, I and I just have an image of it. Uh, someday I'll bring, remember to bring my camera. We'll take a take a, a picture of this whole crew, and then we'll be eating brains in it. Uh, and uh, of course, Lon Lopez, who uh, here here, who actually last week became became officially a writer for Fanboy Planet. Wasn't that a great feast review? That was a great feast review. So uh, I'm very excited. I finally can finally finally Lon woke up and realized Fanboy Planet was the way to go. But he's still the chief moron for moronlife.com. And, of course, I'm editor-in-chief of FanboyPlanet.com. This is Derek McCaw. Uh, if you have any questions or comments, topics you'd like to suggest, anything, you, t- you want me to fire Chris Garcia? Not chance. But you can still complain about it on the message boards. Tell us what you want us to talk about. Tell us what you want us to talk about. And for a small donation on PayPal, I will slap Chris Garcia. Uh, well, I said you can slap. I'll slap the the staff member of your choice. Uh, you know, for for the you know, it's pledge week for here. Enough money, we'll planet. shave his beard too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Table number four. We have Chris Garcia. <laughs> anyway, uh, so there we are. Uh, any comments can be reached at editor at fanboyplanet.com. That's e d i t o r at fanboyplanet.com. Again, this has been the Fanboy Planet Podcast. Thanks for listening in. Let us know who you are. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. All right. This is Derek McCaw, Editor-in-Chief of Fanboy Planet, and you are listening to the Fanboy... Let's try that one more time. Take two. Ooh. Hello, this is Derek McCaw, Editor-in-Chief of FanboyPlanet.com, 